Everyone, quick reminder, nothing said on Empire is a recommendation to buy or sell securities or tokens. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and any views expressed by anyone on the show are solely our opinions, not financial advice. Santiago and I and our guests may hold positions in the companies, funds, or projects discussed. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome back, everyone, uh, to another weekly roundup of Empire. Yet again, we're joined by our main man, Garrett, who is the brains behind this operation. Uh, Jason is nowhere to be found, which is okay because, you know, anyways, Garrett is, as I said, he, he puts these incredibly detailed notes. Uh, he has his eye and pulse on the market and all developments in crypto. So, Garrett, welcome back. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be back on the show. I think I'm hanging up the cleats at least for a little bit after after today. Uh, but yeah, excited to be here. You know, one thing, Sonny, I wanted to tell you because you always comment on this or you have a few times in the last few shows. I uh, realize I'm not the guy that goes through YouTube comments. I'm not. I'm not ready for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Sometimes re- when I first read YouTube comments, I was like, okay, well, tough crowd. Uh, but then you realize uh, just certain people have a tendency to just post and. They skew negative. So anyways, we'll keep doing this. And if you have comments, please post them on YouTube. We are listening and reading them. Yeah, we want um, them. Just the, the first show. Maybe not that time, but I will look at your comments. So please yeah. do. You're doing great, Garrick. It comes from me. And if anyone disagrees, then, you know, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't say that often. So cool. a lot to cover this week. Uh, there's been some interesting developments, a lot in NFT land, some rumblings about an FTX stable coin. Um, just the interesting developments in the market. We try to shy away from talking too much about the markets, but interesting to pay attention. This uh, brief rally that we are seeing uh, across crypto that started yesterday, a lot of liquidations happening on FTX. I mean, it was like, I think the number one record day in terms of liquidations, most of these people had short positions. And then there was this particular entity that accumulated like 500 millions of ETH perp in like and matter a span of an hour or two, which is absolutely crazy. Yep. Um, and so we talked about this before. You know, is crypto going to is a leading indicator in terms of risk in the market? Um, and it, it was definitely interesting. Obviously, hard to extrapolate from one data point. We'll see if this is just another you know bear market brief rally or sustained. But uh, anyways, a lot to cover. Garrett, uh, you want to kick it off? Yeah, definitely. I think ETH went up about 15% the other day. And it's it's funny, I'm with some of the analysts in the office and the uh, the energy really comes alive when uh, you see it ripping. So it's been fun. But uh, what, what I do want to talk on is just the tech stocks. And one, I'm, I'm interested, Santi, do you mess around with tech stocks like Meta, Snap, etc.? Do you, do you get involved? Not individually, as of late. And first, I mean, for since forever, I like didn't play in the market. It was purely private liquids. And just that was my game. Uh, now I'm recently kind of dipped into certain strategies um, of like going long the S&P and NASDAQ. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to like cover my entry point there. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously a lot of these co- companies make up big components of the underlying indices. So, uh, yeah, it's been pretty interesting to observe Twitter talk about, hey, you thought like, you know, your shit coins down 80, 90%. Well, no different from a lot of the tech stocks out there. Forget it. I mean, the NASDAQ's been getting crushed. A lot of these names yep. have been getting crushed below the, like their IPO levels. Like Facebook is now to single digits or was uh, briefly mm. today. Um, and and uh, I mean, obviously, tech's, tech earnings season really kicked off this week, I believe. And so a lot of eyes were on that. Um, and yeah, Facebook's down 20%, I think. 
over yes. the last 24 hours. I mean, a 49% uh, decrease in revenue year over year. And, and I think a lot of that was expected. They still missed their earnings, but um, it's a pretty big shock. And we talked about Facebook a little bit last week when we were talking about, I think we went to one, like their Libra play, and then also touched on VR and Oculus. And it's interesting because I, you see a lot of pushback. One, it's like, Zuckerberg, you need to cut down your staff and you also probably need to cut back on this meta, uh, metaverse spin, which a lot of people thought was a little bit too early and just like buying into it. Uh, I was I was listening to a podcast the other day with Lucky Palmer, who's the creator of Oculus, which was bought by Facebook. I'm not sure which year that was, um, but it's pretty interesting. He said, you know, really, this is a bet by Facebook saying today when you have Google, Microsoft, and Apple, like they're in position to win with the mobile and also just like the computing platform that we have today. Uh, but Facebook wants to make a play there, but they don't really have an entry point. But they're making a bet that you're going to have immersive computing, which is just AR and VR. It's going to take center stage in the future. And that's why they made this bet, knowing it's going to be long term. And, and I thought one more interesting point from that is that Lucky said, a lot of people say this was not a successful investment. And one, it's long-term, right? But he said he had, his payout was based over four years and they had to hit certain goals and milestones on sales. And he said, instead of four, it only took two. So Facebook actually did better, I should say meta, than they even predicted at that time. So anyways, they're taking a big beating, but um, I, I'm still really, I'm a fan of Facebook, uh, not with all their decisions, but I think they're pushing this face forward. So I'm excited to watch. Yeah, I'm not as much of a fan because I stopped using the product. I can't remember the last time I even Facebook checked sucks. Facebook. It's absolute garbage. It's worse than Times Square. Like I'd rather be in Times <laughs> Square bad. surrounded by all the tourists and like hot dog stands and all the chaos than open my face. It's like, I don't know what went wrong. But I think it's nonetheless, Facebook, I will give credence to and, and credit because they've been early in predicting a lot of friends. We talked about this in the last episode. They were early in acquiring Instagram. Everyone Mostly everyone was shitting on them. So how can they pay a billion dollars for like a, a photo filter app? And lo and behold, here we are. In many ways, Instagram is really what's driving a lot of the ad like marketing yep. um, dollars. And, you know, I will, they're in many ways been sort of like um, overcoming this innovators dilemma. Now, it's too early to tell. I mean, I think a lot of people are very critical, especially in bear markets, right? People lose patience and and they're overly critical. And in bull markets, they are very like like laissez faire and and you know um and so again like I, I think it must be really hard as a company public company CEO and I've talked to a number of them because you're being pulled in a million directions in many ways this is like a crypto founder or like managing Discord right um mm. where the community wants to find a number of things to be fair AR VR I mean it's it's all an attention economy. And it's increasingly hard to get users' attention. TikTok has done a phenomenal job with younger cohorts. Um, Instagram stories as well. <clears throat> Just the constant reel of like short content keeps you engaged. Um, <clears throat> and so, but it's it's very hard. I think it's becoming incrementally hard for these companies to stay relevant and capture that attention because people are want, just jumping everywhere, right? Uh, at least in the Western world, right? It's not like you have like a Tencent kind of app, <clears throat> the WeChat mm. kind of app, sorry. Uh, but yeah, obviously they're spending a lot of capital. They're really what seems to be betting uh, the farm on it. Um, and we'll see. I mean, yeah, they definitely it's have the resources. Definitely. And um, you probably saw this from the all-time highs. I mean, Meta's down 72%, which is, which is quite the hit. Uh, it's down before, like even past where they hit the crash in, during COVID. Um, and then Snap's down 88%, which is even lower. I want to jump to Twitter really quick, and then we'll get on yes. crypto. Um, but a lot of CT, crypto Twitter, uh, kind of dominates the space. So it's very relevant. And it does look like, at least what I've seen, Elon might be taking over. And I'm curious, do you find that bullish or, or bearish for Twitter as a company? Um. I'm cautiously optimistic. 
I think there's going to be a lot of changes. I think it's it's one of our opinion in crypto, in crypto is different because to me, crypto like Twitter is like my lifeblood. It's Definitely. the place where I spend most of my time on. It's so important from an information standpoint, from a community standpoint. As and I do kind of ascribe to Elon's uh, Musk's view, which is it is kind of the town square, town hall, and. Again, so like I agree with that. I, do I agree that one, you know, <clears throat> is he going to have like a outside influence on information and all that? I don't know. I mean, a lot of people were critical of like when Jeff Bezos bought like the Washington Post and like a lot of these like, you know, tech moguls or just moguls in general trying to like buy their way into and control the narrative. I kind of don't believe that as much. I think it's just that's coming from a mm. bit of a skeptical camp but look there's immediate changes i saw a great video of him walking into twitter's headquarters yesterday or the day before with like a sink that was so good that sink in. <laughs> uh he's been very vocal around the working from home and cutting staff and mm. i have a lot of folks and friends over the years that have worked in, and gone through twitter at some point and i i think it's a well-known fact in the valley that it's a pretty bloated organization um and so look i'm just really excited for a while, it's felt like Twitter's been underappreciated, the potential it has to really kind of be more relevant for other cohorts other than crypto. Like if you if you can establish the level of attention and retention and engagement that you see in crypto Twitter for other pockets, mm. like that's, I think, the potential of Twitter being worth way more than the current value paid, $44 billion or so. Um, and hopefully you get some of the changes we've been advocating for, like, like really addressing the bot problem. It's become... It's bad. Like, it's become very bad as of late. It's funny because I didn't really see it happening in the last, like six months ago. And all of a sudden, I think what it kind of coincided when Elon was like during the acquisition that he brought attention to this. And then all of a sudden, I think someone was just like, bots became <laughs> a thing, like very, very visible. 100%. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I mean, I think it's interesting at least. I mean, I think... The more entertainment we have in society, the better. Obviously, if it comes out to be um, good for everyone at the end of the day. But I got to say, it's entertaining. I, you know, I think Elon at one point said he was going to cut seventy five percent of jobs, which I think he's always going to exaggerate things and then pull it back, right? <laughs> like you kind of set the anchor, bring it back, mm -hmm. stir up some some dust, and see what happens. And I, I saw this tweet that I, I personally thought was funny, but it says Elon tells Twitter employees they can work from home, just not for Twitter. And that that is something that that Elon would say, and he just makes a lot of news. And I mean, look, I, I like working from home. I see the benefits. Of in the office. But anyways, I just think it's fascinating. I think that Elon is a media company himself. And kind of on your, your comment of monetizing Twitter and what they can do better as a company, I also heard this person talking about how people build businesses on YouTube. You don't see that so much on Twitter. And no. maybe part of that is that it's not as visual based. So maybe it's harder to grow an audience. And some of the biggest accounts are like 500,000. But it is a spot where you could see people maybe dedicate like their life to building a business on Twitter, mm -hmm. um, which you see to some degree, but even to greater from there. And I thought that was pretty interesting. So anyways, we don't, we don't need to talk yeah. about tech stocks anymore. The, but the, the last thing I'll say is uh, it's somewhat relevant because I think crypto is kind of, it's, it's a town square for crypto, right? Mm. He put out a very interesting post today, uh, Elon did, uh, addressing kind of marketers and how he wanted to approach Twitter and how they manage kind of marketing and, and like, ad, like brands advertise, like advertisement in general. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't to say that like all ads are going to be gone, but it said, look, ads can be relevant, but we need to be careful, like more mindful. The criteria needs to be higher of, you know, the kind of ads that are being served. And, you know, it's in many ways, it's kind of refreshing to see that because I think 
like historically, I I don't agree with everything that Elon has done or said, particularly around his comments around like Doge and just like felt mm. to me that it was just I don't know. It was he has a he carries so much weight, and it's important to like if you carry that amount of weight to be really mindful of what you say. And but to be fair, I do think that he's someone who has pushed humanity forward in a very meaningful way across a number of companies. Um, and he's he's not afraid to make bold bets. And in this case, it will be really interesting to see how he manages a social network because he has he's the richest guy in the world and he could tell, you know, he could for all intents and purposes do this as a social experiment and do things differently than other companies mm-hmm. that have the pressure of, you know, earnings next quarter and right really try to maximize profit. Um a lot of times I think you have to maximize like compromise near-term profitability for long-term payout. And that goes back to exactly what you were talking about of, uh, of Facebook and their bet on the metaverse and AR and VR. And so it really takes that kind of like leadership that you see probably in Zuckerberg and, and Musk and a few other personalities to just, uh, you know, do what they want and tell everyone else to, with all due respect, to fuck off. And, (laughs) you know, sometimes it works out, other times it doesn't. But I think the biggest innovations have come out when when that happens. And so I'm excited to see whatever the outcome of that is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I probably shouldn't talk about my personal life on here, but uh, real story, I I did have a date last night, believe it or not, I'm single. And I, (laughs) talking about Dogecoin, I somehow crypto came up. She asked what I do, and it always takes a second. I try to say I work in media, I work in finance and entrepreneurialism. Um, and, then, and then eventually I get work to crypto. around answer and be like, no, I work in crypto. And well, did, did yeah, she just, immediately leave or did she like tap you on the tap you on the show and say, Are you doing okay, Gary? That's what I thought was gonna happen. But <laughs> but 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 no. She actually was like, you know what? I think crypto is gonna be here to stay. And this is a very very smart girl, works at Google. Um, and her first point was I think the you know, Elon and Twitter thing and, and Doge, you know, and Elon being with Doge, I think you know, it has a, a chance to really stay around. I'm like, ah, oh, please don't associate with me with doge but i was like it is fine, it is Gary, fine. Oh, that, that's wife material right there <laughs> oh 100%. What's your wife? that's wife material are you, are you going on another date with her uh you know what i did text her this morning and haven't heard back so i will keep oh. you updated. <laughs> <laughs> so i keep guess you i guess you were the 24-hour rule or you know what it, what, it, what are we supposed to wait yeah, two i don't know what the role yeah, is Santi. i just i just try to I've, go for it but i mean you're talking to the wrong person you know <laughs> okay no apple nfts apple nfts yes, done yes. with garrett's dating life um so we actually talked about this on the podcast about a month ago. Apple officially announced that NFTs can be sold uh, through the app store list in their app store. I think they were already doing this, but they just made an official mm-hmm. announcement. They're going to be subject to the same in-app purchase fee, which is 30% if the app or the developer is making more than a million and it's 50% if you're making less than a million. But essentially, for somebody like OpenSea, if you have an app, you're going to get charged 30% on all of your sales, which essentially is just going to come out of the seller's pocket. So they're going to make less money. Um, but then I think it was this last week, they updated uh, the rules again essentially saying that another role that they have in NFTs is that these NFTs uh, cannot be used to unlock new or like featured content or like level up. And essentially, it's like, hey, you have an NFT. If you buy it, then you can level up and unlock like a better part of this app. They're trying to say like, no, if you want to do that, you need to make another sell so they can get their 30%. Um, this is, there's a lot of controversy here. You see it on both sides. I think part of it is, look, at least NFTs are going to be on the App Store because it is probably the best way to get an NFT into somebody's hands. Um, we're all we're on mobile apps, right? The 30% fee is is pretty steep. I mean, this happens to SaaS startups all the time. It's interesting with Kindle, for example. You pro- I have a Kindle app that I use all the time. If you go to the Kindle app and try to find a book and you want to buy it, you can't actually buy it. Exactly. And you can't even have links 
to where you can go buy it. And that is the same with NFTs. So it's not like a game, because this is really probably going to hurt some of the game developers. I mean, it does allow them to sell NFTs there, but they can't even put like, click this button, go to my website and you can buy the NFT. Like that's completely um, illegal. So um, kind of interesting. One more point that maybe isn't, but it did confuse me. I'm like, okay, so if this is the case, Coinbase has an app, but like you don't see 30% uh, fees on their transactions. They came out with a clarification saying, if we approve you as an exchange for crypto transfers, you do not get charged that fee. Uh, but NFTs in this case are not um, uh, considered for that. So I'm just mm. curious, what do, you, what do you think about this? Do you find it... I mean, one, do you think this 30% fee crypto is maybe the best way to get that down? I mean, that's a big question. But two, I'm just curious what you think about this in general. Uh, well, before we get there, like, I'm curious if you know, like, if you want to buy... Like, if you want to buy an NFT, like, what does it actually mean to unlock? Well, one, like, who's setting up the wallet? Like, so if, if you're natively mm. going to buy an NFT through the App Store, Apple Store, or the app within your phone, like, I guess, like, how's that flow going to work? So that, like, say you open the OpenSea app in your phone or whatever, FTX or whatever app you're using, MetaMask, and you're buying an NFT, then like if it's like will that be possible then they just charge 30 percent on whatever happens on mobile mm. or are I they going to actually help you set up a wallet and and create the wallet for you and use face id to like you know retrieve your wallet like social recovery like are they actually gonna the, the reason i'm asking this is i would be really curious to understand if they're going to really venture into the wallet game um because you remember the time when like Solana was announcing that the Solana phone, a lot of it was because of the pains that you're seeing now and trying to like, you know, a lot of the ring fencing that happens with Apple and some of these platforms, like not making it easy for developers. Yeah. And it totally tweeted. He was like, this is just a Solana mobile ad campaign. Thanks for promoting. So yeah, you're, you're Yeah, on. there we go. Yeah. But I'd be really curious. Like, look, if Apple is going to venture into the wallet game, I mean, there've been... I think it's fairly positive for the space to bring on, you know, the next, you know, couple million users uh, almost immediately, right? Um, it's positive because it legitimizes the category. Well, as soon as you're talking about something and you're allowing it, then it's it's very positive, right? Uh, if they weren't even acknowledging it, then like they're just clamping down on it, then you probably would have wondered what do they what do they know about the regulatory side of things around NFTs that we don't. But the fact that they're entertaining this, I think, is I read it as, you know, read between the tea leaves. It's fairly positive. NFTs is a category. It's a huge moneymaker. I mean, OpenSea has printed a ton of a ton of fees uh, on volume. And so, yeah, it's uh, – 30% is just a it's – a, it's sort Big. of like it, – it's very high. It's kind of stealing. It it's very like. high. <laughs> and so anyways, the core ethos of crypto is like trying to remove the middleman. Uh, and in many ways, uh, we are here yet again. But well, uh, you know what? Maybe Facebook's VR, uh, their field will play out and then we'll have a little bit more competition in the space because right now you have Android with their app store and they just have adopted all these same rules. So you have two competitors going back and forth. And like, I would have to think over time those fees go down, just like we think in crypto. Um, when you have these liquidity protocols like Uniswap, et cetera, like those fees might go to zero, but you're going to have other ways to monetize. So I think yeah. that's the hope. Uh, generally, like, yeah, we can complain about the 30%. And yeah, Apple's very difficult. Maybe they're going to get into antitrust issues because they are just really making it very hard from a competitive standpoint for a lot of these businesses. And uh, 30% seems very high. But, you know, I do think that uh, it's very positive because now you have at least a way to sell NFTs. This is important for games. 
it's important for NFT artists and creators and curators. And uh, it is just crypto is becoming, um, you know, more seamless to use and interact and enter this world. And that's positive. As mm. soon as we remove friction, it's positive. So many people haven't really even tried or ventured into the space. And sure, not your keys, not your, you know, not your money, not your NFTs. Yep. I get it, folks. But it's still very, very positive for the vast majority of users that have no interest or capability or sophistication to manage their own keys. If you have Apple all of a sudden create a wallet for you and, and secure that for you, then most likely it's for a lot of users out there, especially the ones that haven't even ventured into crypto, that's still positive because they get to experience the benefits of this technology, of this of NFTs, of, of gaming and everything. And sure, you're relying on a custodian in many ways to manage your keys or a social recovery system. So it's like being your own custodian and managing your own keys. I think we can all agree that it's fairly unrealistic given the current solutions out there that it's going to be suitable for mainstream adoption. Uh, mm. We're going to need better solutions like Argent Wallet, which has social recovery systems and all that. Uh, natively secured like keys in your like the secure enclave of your phone or whatever. Yeah. I'm not sophisticated enough. No, that's like, right. That that to me feels <laughs> yep. like a win. Yeah. Hundred percent. I, I use Argent myself, and I and like you said, I uh, I don't know the actual tech details enough to say like this is as secure as something else. But I do love the experience and like social recovery for anybody that doesn't know. It's like instead of having to write down your private key or some phrase, you can actually assign say three different friends, or maybe you have three different hardware devices or another MetaMask, etc. And it's just a way to get like two out of three or three out of four. And if you get those parties to approve your transaction, you can recover your wallet, set limits on mm -hmm. like, let's say you have a limit, you say, I don't want to spend more than $10,000 a day or 1,500, whatever it might be, unless I get permission from yeah. three out of four friends, yeah, which yeah. Here's I think a is pretty though. important. Here's a hack. That? If you're a game, then you most definitely want to go acquire users on mobile, but keep most of the activity to browser desktops. Right. Mm, yeah. Uh, which I think is where a lot of the games that I'm an investor, th this is the flow that they're envisioning. So, but, but mobile serves as a good customer acquisition. Now, if you kind of take the, the, get the, what's the name of the guy who did the like free to own concept? Gabriel, Gabriel. Layden. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. Or Gabriel. Well, yeah. Take, borrow elements from that. And so, okay, you want to charge us 30%? Fine. Give the user a free NFT. Yep. As a hook. And then have him claim it using and navigating and using his browser. Right. And so 30% on zero is zero folks. So anyways, uh, there's a workaround around this, which is use NFTs as customer acquisition. Anytime you get a free thing, souvenir or whatever, it, it, it like, it, it lights up your brain, your heart or whatever. And then it makes you incentivize, it incentivizes you to go check out whatever the game is or whatever the thing, you know, is. And so, if you're a game, give a free NFT to drop it to the user. He claims it on mobile, and then he goes to the browser to, uh, you know, this is in the same way, right? Does is this a Kindle flow too, where you can buy a sample? You can, right? You can you can click on your mobile to get a sample of the book or the audio book. You can't buy it. You have That's to right. go, and there's no link, but you have to then go to the browser. And, 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 you know, buy the actual thing that, that is, that you just listen to the sample. No different exactly. folks. Get a sample NFT, a teaser, and then go on browser and then do everything that you want to do. Mm. Isn't that the flow?
That's the flow. That's the flow. 100. percent Yeah, it's all about reducing friction and and talking about reducing friction. Uh, I want to just touch on the Reddit NFT kind of phenomenon yes. that we've had this week. So I think it was back in this July. Reddit announced a collection of NFTs that they were going to launch. I think it was around 86,000. It's like an avatar collection, uh, which they don't actually call NFTs. It's digital collectibles, which I have right. nothing wrong with. Nif- N- nifty, Nifty could work. NFT, no non fungible token. Like no, just <laughs> like that. That's never going to work in the mainstream. So, anyways. They, they minted these on Polygon, POS, which is kind of cool. It's an EVM chain. Um, they did not try to create their own or have something centralized. Um, and then last week, they actually revealed that they have onboarded over what they say is 3 million wallets and minted over 86,000 NFTs. Now, I do want to kind of caveat, 3 million wallets, amazing. It's probably a little bit misleading. I think it's actually like, so what happens is I think when you have this flow, it pops up on your Reddit uh, and you click on it and you're kind of like, you know, claim my avatar NFT. And if you do that, it mints you a wallet but you actually have no idea that you actually have a wallet um, unless you want to interact with the wallet, which they allow you to, which is really cool. Um, and I think they have a couple of thousand of those. But um, this Sunday, there was a lot of buzz around that after this announcement and day, daily volume on, on trading these surged from below 1 million to 2 million overnight. This was like a huge spike in the chart in just 24 mm-hmm. hours. Um, and this was one, a huge spike for Polygon. It got NFTs on Reddit to have over $100 million market cap, which is to me, absurd. I mean, one, we're in a bear market. Two, this is just a company that's experimenting with NFTs and, and their founder, I don't know his name, but I know he's been embracing Web3. Um, I think this is really interesting. Is Ohanian? That's right. Yeah. And yeah. this is kind of like Starbucks is now trying to get into the NFT game. They're, they're not calling it NFTs either. Um, but this is two big companies. I actually, I have a few stats at the, at the top. Reddit is the fifth most visited website in the US. It's more popular than Instagram, Twitter, and even um, the hub. I actually don't know what that is. <laughs> it has 430 million monthly active users and more than 1.5 billion registered users. Like, I had no idea. I, I always, when I need an answer to the question, especially around crypto, I type it in, then I put Reddit at the end. And I've, I've learned to be a big Reddit user, but I had no idea it was that big. So this is really cool. It's especially a platform that's like from a discovery standpoint. I mean, that's where I discovered the Bitcoin back in 2012. Wow. Uh, they are a Bitcoin channel. Uh, that's where a lot of the conversation was happening. And so, yeah, like we touched on this on the episode with uh, Steven uh, mm. and uh, Raul from uh, Arbitrum. Comes out Monday. And yeah, folks should tune into that. And because they, we talked about the Reddit social point system and how that really folds into their strategy and and why they need it. It's not that they need it. It's just supplemental. It's enhancing. Um, and now that people have, like, it, it helps engagement. Not If you want to claim, you, you can claim. You don't have to claim. And so it's, I think that view and the, the, the key takeaway from the comment that these guys were do, saying was Reddit really has embraced NFTs and a strategy in Web3 because it is complementary. It is enhancing what they're doing uh, in a way that can improve a lot of the core metrics and particularly engagement in the platform. And then invite, once you have like these NFTs, then, you know, a Reddit user that is, has a lot of reputation and a lot of credibility and social score or whatever, then other brands can come in and, and invite those users to then say, oh, wow, Garrett, you're, we see that you're like, posting a ton on the health biohacking channel well you know and your and we can validate that with your points and your badges and all your avatar that is changing based on your activity then we're going to invite you to like a retreat and we're going to send you a care package from i don't know you're like some sort of new protein bar company yep. well like you know what i mean like yeah you start seeing the benefits of that um 
so yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I think uh, uh, we we it is going to show us a way of how a big company in Web two can like embrace some, certain Web three elements, maybe kind of reinvent itself. Maybe Twitter is also going in this direction now that Elon's at the helm. But two really interesting companies that I'm probably following, um, three actually, Facebook with the metaverse, Reddit, and and uh, Twitter, they're all moving in different ways and different strategies. But uh, yeah, this is this is huge. I think uh, the last thing I'll say on this is it's pretty interesting uh, the rebranding uh, digital collectibles and also the I was just on the phone with um, this portfolio company of mine and you know we were talking about the potential to do stuff in the nft space and i said well why just stop with a profile picture like pfp you know if you're a particular app and it's a it it attracts certain enthusiasts why not just build out the rest of the avatar right not just the face yep. but like you know the clothes and you know all the different gear and all this stuff and you don't have to like sell it all it could be based on certain um earned stuff in the way of like not bought stuff which i think is really powerful i think if users can have a very clear way of earning things based on certain activity that is like non-monetary it really incentivizes people it gamifies it in a very interesting way so i think we're going to start seeing a lot of other brands like reddit really embrace that strategy yeah me too i, I definitely agree with that it, it reminded me i think it was sergey from google and, and you talked about gamification and getting access over time and not that you have to pay for it and I, yeah i think it was sergey he said if i wasn't working at google like what would i want to do that could help society and one of it was like um, help people get fit and stay in shape and and be healthy. Yeah. And part of that is like, I would start a gym and gamify it where when you, you basically come in, they, I don't know how this would work, but they essentially give you some clothes, whatever it is. It doesn't look that great. You only have access to a part of the gym. And then essentially like, as you come in, they quickly iterate you up where you get like cooler gear, you get access to bigger parts of the gym, you get like protein shakes for free. And the whole point is like, people want things to be gamified and they mm. do. A lot of people actually would rather like work for something because you feel like you earned it. Instead Absolutely. of just right, so I think that's huge with NFTs. Right. Sweat, sweat equity, you know, sweat and, equity. Uh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the bigger picture here. I'm not asking you to believe in Bitcoin. Fine, I'm not asking you to believe in Ethereum or Solana or anything. Like, remove all of that, all the project names, and fundamentally, from like from a kind of like a mechanism standpoint, evaluate that there are systems that are being created that are better for a coordination standpoint that have proven to the most challenging thing is to coordinate a certain activity, especially when you don't have a top-down authority. So reaching social consensus and coordinating that in a decentralized way like, is, is extremely powerful. It is one of the more important developments of our generation like because that unlocks so much potential to then do other really cool stuff. And... Of course, like Bitcoin's try to do this for coordination of a consensus to then agree on a certain state, and then that has like sound monet like properties of of a, of a hard asset because it has a finite supply. We're applying that to money. Ethereum is abstracting that and saying and saying we're applying that to just general consensus, and that can take on many different meanings: NFTs, social gaming, whatever, um, DeFi. But even beyond that, like. There have been like 10 years of this experiment that has proven to be fairly successful. What else can we apply it to? It's a, it's, a, it's a system that relies on programmed incentives to reach coordination and consensus in a more fluid way without, without like trusting anyone. And I'll say that again. Like 
what else can you apply that to? Well, I don't know. Maybe you can incentivize people to lead a better life. Well, how do you do that? We talk about education and it's just like I was in model UN. It's so tiring. People say we need to have a better educational system. Well, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Like, well, how do you go about doing that? Well, we should tax people more. No, like the, the, the solution to that is always kind of, I think, a private enterprise because markets are more efficient than any top-down centralized organization. Like, just look at what's happening in San Francisco. The management of public funds is a disgrace, not only in the U.S., pretty much everywhere, except like some Scandinavian countries and small countries like the Singapore. But scaling that is proven to be very difficult for modern day nation states. It is very hard. Like the US, New York is very different than Arkansas or Mississippi. It's a tiny bit different, I agree. You know tiny what I mean? Like, and so like coordinating yeah. that and reaching a consensus that appeases is very difficult. I'm not like, you know, I'm not like bashing on democracy. It's just really hard. Yeah. But as Preach. soon as you have these, and, and again, like these are this, this is what these systems can really be applied towards. You could create a system that has very predictable set of program rules that no one can change easily. And that gives you the certainty, the trust, the confidence to, to operate in that system that has rule of law governed by code and forced by social consensus that could be modified as we've seen with Ethereum, with the merge and upgrading, which is a huge development purely because you can prove that such a distributed and decentralized system can morph and adapt which is so powerful. And then take all of that as a case study and then say, okay, well, let's actually reinvent healthcare. And we had mm. a great episode on Vi uh, Vibe Dow, a log who's talking about trying to do this for clinical trials and research, which is another neglected area that has been historically, you know, governed by pharma and drug development is very difficult. And there's so many incentives that are out of whack because it's better to invest in another dick pill than it is to invest in research for a rare disease, even though you get off some incentives from the FDA and health organizations to go after, you know, emergency status and priority status for rare diseases. Mm. But the money's in dick pills and people will, as long as the money's there, most people will continue to invest in the next dick pill, which is a marginal improvement. And so anyways, what I'm this whole ramble and I'm, I get pretty excited because I love it. that's what I tell people now. It's like, I'm not asking you to believe in like Bitcoin replacing the dollar. Probably the dollar is going to continue to be the dollar for as long as we're probably alive. Mm -hmm. But, but it, this is what led me to invest in Stepin, for instance, because I talked to those guys and I said, God, yes. The first time I learned about crypto, I was looking at, I'm a runner and a cyclist. And so I was, I'm, I use Strava a lot. I'm like, well, I mean, why can't you just give me like some sort of like, I have all these points, I have all this activity. It felt to me like they're, they are leaving a lot of value on the table. So anyways, I think a lot of the world's problems um, can truly, and I say this meaningfully, not like pie in the sky stuff, like will be the way we operate, the way we interact, the way we change our habits is going to meaningfully radically change. The way we interact with insurance and the healthcare system and education is going to meaningfully change because now we have systems that will make it easier for us and incentivize, incentivize us to just do the right thing, the better mm. thing. I think everyone wants this improve. It's just difficult. Sometimes you need a little nudge here and there. Quote yeah. Richard Thaler, nudge, great book. I always do a book recommendation. This is, and I'm doing it early, Nudge by Richard Thaler, one of my favorite books of all time. 
It is. Yeah, I've read that book too, book as well. It's it's amazing, and that that wasn't a rant, Santi. That was really really good. And I think a big part of this is education. That's one reason that we have this show, and there are other podcasts out there because you have to look beyond cryptos, just speculation or just meme coins, etc., and really get people to think about it in the way you just talked about. And I actually haven't read the, the piece yet, except probably the first three pages. Uh, but Matt Levine from Bloomberg came out. I think it was this week with uh, maybe sixty thousand. A word essay about crypto oh, and it's like a manifesto yeah it's huge have you seen that i got a, a few of the groups that i'm about sort like center rounds like this talking is your next book it. yeah 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 well it's really cool because matt levine is a great he's from tradfi essentially i think he was an fx trader back in the day he's one of the most well-known writers in the tradfi space um at bloomberg and he usually just has an article or a newsletter that comes out every day and he does talk about crypto and i think he's actually a, kind of a fan but he's also you know pretty skeptical at the same time, but he's been on podcasts with the SBF, et cetera. Anyways, just the beginning that I've read from it, it's really, really well thought out. And I think it would connect with people really well. And it's a huge edu- educational piece that is on Bloomberg, which is ginormous. Like when you go back to the last bear market uh, in 2000, 2018, 19, going into 20, like nothing was talked about. You didn't see anything about crypto on the news. If it was, it was just like the industry's dead. Um, and I don't know where this industry is going to end up, but it is so different this time when you see firms like Reddit and Starbucks and all these announcements. And then you also see um, just all these developments in the space that are happening. Anyways, I think it's really exciting and it's completely different than it was two years ago. Again, I, I don't know where it's going to go or how long a bear market's going to last, but um, I think people are getting more educated on the space and that's a really big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And all right. the, the, yeah, should we, what, what else is there to talk about? I guess we have the FTX stablecoin. We have a few other developments yeah, in there, but we can go quick through this. I don't think we, okay. I don't think there's a ton we have to touch on, but we'll just do it. We'll do it for the audience. Um, yeah. FTX, SBF announced, well, he didn't officially announce, but supposedly he was in an interview, uh, that FTX is working on stablecoin, and he hinted that an announcement will come out soon. Uh, there's already a lot of exchanges that do, do this, Coinbase with USDC, uh, with Circle, you have Binance, BUSD, Gemini, GUSD. Um, one comment, GUSD had 8.5% yield um, if you just staked your Gemini. Um, GUSD, which made no sense, and now it's 5.9%. So I'm really curious how, how these firms are like subsidizing their um, stablecoins. But... Um, yeah, I one thing is like SBF has made a ton of moves during this bear market. They acquired BlockFi, which I don't know the price. It's up to 240 million, but who knows? It's like based on a payout system. Um, Sam has now 7.6% of Robinhood, even though FTX is supposedly not interested in actually um, trying to acquire uh, Robinhood, even if they could. But um, yeah, I'm curious. The stablecoin market is just kind of crazy. And what I'm curious to you, you see this like proliferation of stablecoins and what, what do you think the future state is? And we don't, we don't have to drill on this for long, but I had a friend ask me yesterday, like, he's like, if we have a stable coin, it's guaranteed to be Fed coin. And I'm just curious from what you know and what you was, think. Was this your date or was this? Not another... my date. We didn't oh, get that. I was going to say that. That was a fairly <laughs> deep date if you like talk about That's date number coins. two. That's yeah. date number two. Um, okay. But will it be Fed coin? <laughs> or do you see something like aggregating at a bank level where you have something more like USDC that, because, you know, today, like money is essentially mm. printed, uh, aka printed, not really printed in quotes, mm-hmm. printed mm-hmm. at banks. And do you see that being the future if a like stable coin is adopted? How do you, how, where do you see this going, the market? Yeah, I don't really have a precise answer here. I mean, there's a great, um, there's a good interview by uh, recently, I think it was this week that came out, Agustin Garces, which is at the IMF, I think, talking about central bank digital currencies. And he was like, wow, these are great, like, because we can now elect, like program how people can spend the money or not spend the money. And of course, you can see a good way and a benefit of that with like universal basic income. And then you also see a bad way, like in China's social credit scoring system, mm. or scoring system, where basically like Black Mirror. 
Yeah, if you're like all of a sudden pissed off the state, then you're like, okay, well, you can't shop in any supermarket. Good luck getting food. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I, it sounds, yeah. It's like, real. It's real, right? And so I hope, I think, uh, look, I'm, I, back to my pr- pr- prior rant, I believe very much in private enterprise and that being more efficient. If you're like the, like, I guess if, does it really matter? Because like, okay, you can have a Fed coin, a central bank digital currency, but at the end of the day, if you're a USDC, fully backed, collateralized stablecoin, one-on-one, so there's like a dollar there that like represents it. It's just a digital receipt. Then that's, you can still do monetary policy, no problem, right? I mean, it's 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 like, it's just like, whatever. It's just like a digital receipt that's in circulation, right? At the end of the day, that mm-hmm. dollar exists. And so um, a central bank like the, you know, or the Fed would still like it because it increases the demand for dollars. Like imagine today now you see inflation and all these like, like the FX market is, is, is in whack. Like this year, you look at the yen at an all time low, it's at 150, 160. You look at the pound recently, it went all the way to 107, like historical level low. You look at the Euro went all the way to 96 cents, 95 cents, like 20 year lows for some of these currencies. Like if you're a company or you're a normal consumer, you have liabilities and dollar denominated debt or whatever, like, or you just want to store your wealth, like stable coins are like US denominated stable coins, which is like, by the way, the most pervasive one is a fantastic vehicle and mm. instrument. Like, I mean, it's, it's great, right? You want to hold dollars now? Like none of this financial advice or any advice for that matter, but you know, you feel pretty comfortable still holding a dollar. Like now all of a sudden with stable coins, whether it's a USDC or Fed coin, like, you know, it makes it all of a sudden like yeah. very easier for people. Now, I think that like the Fed coin is probably going to be used more for like the internal domestic economy. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're getting like you know during COVID you got a relief check. Well, maybe you're going to get that not in USDC, but you're going to get a Fed coin, right? You're yeah. going to pay your taxes. Maybe you're going to pay it through the Fed coin or whatever, like or tax withholdings. All these things domestic like domestic. It's probably going to be a Fed coin, international, and for a lot of other things, USDC. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that for the most part. It's gonna be really interesting. I think it, you're seeing like protocol specific stablecoins popping up too. Um, between like you have Aave, you have Frax. Um, I think there's other there's plenty others working on it as well. And it's it's hard for me to see that working long term because it just is a terrible UX for any user unless a wallet can can completely abstract that, which we know going forward, just mm-hmm. like Reddit's doing, it's abstracting the NFT um, wallet like creation process completely. But that's something that works and it's going to be brought there. But that's, I think it's probably going to aggregate around a few. And I, I do think you want choice. We talked about this last week. I think the biggest thing in crypto is switching costs and just having the choice if you want to opt out of something, which mm-hmm. we talked about Twitter a little bit ago too. And I, I said, you could build a business there, like a multi hundred million dollar business, but you could get rugged off the platform, right? And that's something yeah. where crypto can come in and actually try to help mm-hmm. solve that. Yeah. Well, it's this idea of legal tender. Like I think like USCC might be deemed a legal tender if it's like approved within a approved list of stable coins. Uh, but if you have a, like not a dollar denominator or like fully backed coin, then you may not be a legal tender. And so at the end of the day, I always think stable coins, and I've dabbled in a lot of these for better or for worse, including, you know, the early days of like base coin, uh, basis which got shut down uh it got like a and then like all the kind of other esd dsds of the world it was an investment frax uh early like uh and you know obviously noave quite well and so look at the end of the day i didn't touch terra um but i will say like look i think my conclusion 
early conclusion in stablecoins is that usability drives stability. Mm. Again, yep. usability will drive stability. Uh, and I think we're long past this idea that like incentives uh, and some sort of financial engineering can work your way through building confidence in a system without getting meaningful meaningful usage other than financial speculation and yield farm leverage recursive yield farming. Like, and so, mm. uh, again, if you're within an approved list of stable coins and it's a legal tender, what does that mean? Well, you're going to be able to pay for your flight. You're going to be able to pay for your pizza. You're going to be able to do everything that you do today with your Apple pay or your credit cards and debit, debit cards, I should say, with uh, USDC, right? And you kind of already see that, right? You have like the FTX cards coming out. You have, uh, you know, a few other cards out there that uh, Coinbase, does Coinbase have a card? Like, don't you guys Coinbase have, has like, a card. Yeah. At least they've so been promoting it for a long time. They've been promoting it, right? And so at the end of the day, like if you have, if your card issuer and the network of banks supports USDC, then that drives usability and that inherently builds stability and adoption for a stable coin. And so I do agree with your point. It's going to be a fairly concentrated, maybe two or three uh, coins out there um, that uh, that take the lion's share of the market. And you already see that anyways today, right? It's yeah. like Tether, USDC, and like, like four. Uh, yeah, BUSD to some extent. And then yeah. like, what's the other I think Paxos is... Paxos might be up there somewhere as well. Yeah. yeah. I, when right. I talk to people and they ask about, you know, use case in crypto and there's, there's quite a few, but I think a lot of them are, are hard to make tangible for people. And it is, it's a, you know, it's a new field and there's a lot of innovation, yeah. but when I always go to is stable coins and like a very quick story is I was living in Australia for a while. I went over there and, um, one us dollar or one Australian dollar was 80 cents in the States. Mm-hmm. And by the time I left one Australian dollar was 60 was cents. Yeah. Um, so I, or sorry, I said that backwards, but essentially it went from 0.8 to 0.6 against me. So I lost yeah. that huge spread on my income that I made that was in an Australian bank. And I wasn't trying to take on like the risk of FX risk of Australian currency. And I did, but if I would have had USDC, there's no way I just wouldn't have put some of that into like my Coinbase account. And then when I left the country to come to the United States... Um, I needed to empty that bank account and get the U.S. Well, what happens is you get quoted and an you exchange get, rate. You got absolutely wrecked. <laughs> ran over, ran over. Because you look it up on Man. Google and it says oh. one thing. Yeah, it's and then they charge they charge me I think twenty five dollars. And then on top of that, look, look, I get this is some regulation that probably will enter crypto for five days. My money was out of my Australian bank account not in my US bank account and no idea where it went. So it's just a bad user experience and I could have yeah, done that yeah. within 13 seconds on Ethereum. So it is and a way more crazy. competitive quote. Yeah, look, I, I think uh, something like Curve is amazing being able to yep. trade like for like stable coins um, and like being able to trade against FX. The FX market just pisses me the fuck off. I'm sorry, but every <laughs> time I go to a, a country and they're asking me to, you always you always forget, right? You're always at the airport and be like, oh shit, I should probably get some yep. currency for the taxi or whatever and that's when they get you they, they always get you and you're like to me i kid you not this is i was thinking about building a better remittance system where you can send money cross-border using sms and like atms local atm network and then i discovered bitcoin i'm like oh, this is what i need this is it yeah right but every, to this day every time i travel i always every time i pass by the fx currency converter yep. stalls like I look at that and you I say, that's just, a, it, it's cringe. And I remind myself, I'm like, you will go away in five years or 10 yeah. years. But I, the like, that would be a success for this industry. All those operators would go away. To me, that would be amazing because 
they they charge you an arm and a leg and it's such a it's such a ripoff and and there's no competition like you only go yes. there because you walk by it and you're like this is the only place i can do my fx and you like you if you're in mexico you need pesos and you know if you leave that airport without it you're done but if you like if this was everyone has a smartphone yeah. Yeah. you know I, I think also you know like this is going to be like sound ridiculous but the idea of actually holding paper currencies whatever but like everyone has a smartphone you can use your app convert from dollars to pesos while you're in the airplane, while you land, you convert it, you have internet, boom, you convert it, then you pay, you tap your phone, done. That's the flow. Like there should be no holding cash in paper. New York City. I've only been here for two months now, but it's really big. You go a lot of places and they only accept cash. It's interesting. I mean, we, well, we yeah, kind of well, know, know why, why right? but you know why. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I'm, I'm just going to, hey, I, I, we only take cash at, uh, at Blockworks. At Blockworks. <laughs> now, 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 now that if you want to pay for your Blockworks subscription research, by the way, <laughs> next week, you're going to get uh, an inner look at a new podcast that is launching. Um, and Very excited. from the research guys, I won't be here most likely. And so you can only pay in cash. <laughs> yeah, some of those some of those guys have been send on us here before. A, send us cash, wads of cash to your office in, in Manhattan. <laughs> or my address, either way. I'm pretty I'm pretty good with money. I can handle it. Yeah. But yeah, I, you gotta tune in next week. We'll drop it on the Twitter feed and everything. But we do have um, our research guys are dropping new podcasts. I've already heard the first episode. It's awesome. So you'll you'll have to tune in. I'm gonna drop one little piece of alpha that may not be true alpha, but last week we were talking about modular blockchains and Celestia. And um, Chris Berniski, who used to work at ARC and he's been in the crypto space, he's at I think placeholder. He started placeholder yeah. and he's he's written a few books. I think he's one of the, the first guys I started reading about when I got into crypto. Um, he he just had this this tweet yesterday about the SVM, which is the Solana virtual machine. And then, you know, you have the EVM, the Ethereum virtual machine. And uh, he's saying, watch this space because you're seeing a lot of different protocols raise money that are just execution layers using the SVM, which I don't know all the technical details, but is more performant um, in some ways, at least, than the EVM. It allows parallelization. Um, so it's multi-threaded instead of single-threaded. Um, but, but the big point of it is they're able to innovate very quickly because... When you saw the EVM, uh, Ethereum, then you had Avalanche and all these EVM chains uh, pop up like Phantom, they were building, building monolithic chains that did the execution, you know, the data availability and the consensus and also had to build up the security. Um, but you're seeing a lot of these SVM new chains launch, but they're just doing the execution. And that allows you to spin up and innovate faster. So one, I just think it's interesting to watch the SVM. And it's really cool to see by breaking these down into modular pieces, you can um, innovate faster. Is that alpha? <laughs> that, that, that was alpha. Maybe. That, that was we'll find out. Alpha. We'll find out in a few years. Um, Santi, anything else you want to talk about before we close? I think Santi froze on me. Um, if Santi comes back, uh, we may continue, but we pretty much need to wrap this up anyway. So Jason will be back next week. Um, he's going to be back from his vacation and also his wedding. So excited to have him back on. Maybe I'll join from time to time. Uh, and everybody, thanks for joining. See you next time. 